0: You know, you saw the Giddings here, and I think their ministry is important because they go into the places where we do not really remember unless one of our household members are inside of one of those places. They go into the prisons, they go into the hotels, they do ministry and it's why it's God's word. It's living and active, it's sharper than any two edged sword. So if you've ever been in a service or a church where you kind of feel convicted, it's God's word. It's God, the Holy Spirit, bringing conviction in our, in our lives that we need to repent of our sins and turn to Jesus. That song, Jireh, reminds me of our, our message going this morning. Uh, sometimes we don't believe God loves us. And I'm not talking about the mushy kind of love. I'm talking about the agape, unconditional love that he set on his son on the cross. That general love he has for all of humanity. He loves humanity. Why? His son. But in our Christian walk, our faith, we struggle with sin. And we're going to have to do an evaluation with us this morning and be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves these difficult questions of spiritual maturity and what sin do I struggle with? Because if you're human, you struggle with sin. Why we're sinners? We are. We just are born with a sinful nature. And what Paul here in Philippians chapter 3. Paul knew, he knew the struggle, you know. He, he knew what it was to want to do the right thing, but yet not do it. And if Paul struggled with that, then you and I are absolutely going to be struggling with that. But he knew the secret to it all also. He knew the secret to be content with everything, you know. Who knows the uh, uh, scripture of Philippians 4.13? Who can quote that to me? Who wants to, who wants to quote that to me? I'll just say it out loud. All right, I like that. You believe that? Amen? Amen? No one believes it? You know, I want to give some context in that scripture. I love that scripture, by the way, but I'm talking about this. I'm talking about the secret of being content. I'm talking about when you have nothing, and you're at your rock bottom, and no one cares for you. And you feel so guilty, and hopeless, and useless, and you think you can't be forgiven, and you can't bring anything to God. His love is there. Christian. For those of you who are struggling in sin and feel like you've shipwrecked the faith, the secret is God's strength. That's where it comes from, that you can do all things through Christ, the Holy Spirit, in the bottom barrel aspects of your life. I know it looks good on t-shirts, and if you ever see me wearing it, make sure I know some context. You know? But I want to let you know that this is where this message is going this morning, to press on. It's going to be a little heavier message because we're going to be dealing with some real things that we struggle with unless someone's without sin. Which the Bible says we are all made in sin and we're all in need of Christ. We're darkened and deceived without the elimination of the Holy Spirit. So we'll be in Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 through 14. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 through 14. This is a good book. Paul's in prison. And these words he says it's it's he's in prison and to say these things and to say Philippians four thirteen and to hear what Paul was trying to encourage the church in Philippi. In Philippians chapter three, verse twelve through fourteen, I'll read it on the screen. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I pressed on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the call for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is a good verse that you, if you want to have a verse of the year, just, just have this verse in your heart. Look at it every day because it's so important for us. Some of y'all have senioritis already, and you're still juniors, okay? Some of y'all got back on campus and you feel like, well, I don't feel like being here. <laughs> Classes, you've gone through your syllabus and you're like, well, I know what I've got to do, research papers, X, Y, Z, but this, Paul's talking about that he's not already perfect and for those of you who just think Christians are uh, goody-two-shoes and Pharisees and just suck up, let me tell you something. I know some of those guys, but don't judge us all the We're not all the same. We're broken people in need of God's grace. We're broken We don't have it together, and we're not God, okay? So whenever we fall, whenever I fall, look at him. He was a Christian. Why smash me down and put me down? When I've received God's mercy and his grace and his forgiveness in my life, you're not my God. Your opinion isn't the word. This is my guidance. This is his word. This is my restoration. But sometimes things as Christians, we have this high, we're called to be holy and godly. Okay, we are. We're called to live in repentance. We're called to be sanctified. We're called to walk by the Spirit. We're called to be uh, transformed to the image of the Son. We are. But we're not perfect. Don't coin us to be perfect. Some Christians may have hurt you in the past, and you may have been hurt by church leadership or church in general. And that's tough. I realize why. If I was hurt by someone in the church, I'm not sure if I would go. If I walked into a church and didn't feel welcome, which I have in the past, I didn't go back I I know what it feels like but it says this they're not perfect what Paul says here is in his human nature in his sin nature he says I make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own so why do I want to walk in my spiritual maturity to grow in my faith Christ Jesus has made me his own He knows my lowest of lowest in my life. And last year, it could have been a low point. And let me tell you, where can you flee from the Spirit? He's always there, and he still loves you there. It's like that prodigal son, Luke 15. He realized, he has not left you, Christian. He is still here. Why? Christ has purchased us. It's been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus was nailed to the cross, and our weight of sin was bore on that cross. And the holy and loving wrath of God was put on the Son. Isaiah says, it was the Father's will to crush the Son and to pay for our sins once and for all. The record of sin was canceled. It's a legal agreement. Now because of Jesus, if I place my faith in Jesus like the thief on the cross, will you remember me? I will remember you in paradise. The Bible says that his righteousness, who Jesus is, fully God and fully man, perfect and sinless, it's accredited to your account. And the debt is paid. Sin is wiped forever. And then righteousness was given to the cross. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, wash us, make us new. As far as the east is from the west, So he'll remove our transgressions from us. I want to let you know, if you're struggling with sin like I am, this message is for you. I want you to press on. I want you to fight as we walk towards spiritual maturity. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be very hard. Matter of fact, it's going to be hard like Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, the calling of Christ. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, any of you. He said to who? His disciples. In a general call, if any of you wants to be my disciple, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. A part of coming to Christ is dying to self. We stop saying, I'm not my own God no more. God, you are my creator. You're my God. I deny my flesh. I wage war against my sin, and I'm going to walk in the way of Christ. I'm going to fix my eyes upon Jesus Christ, who is the guarantor and perfecter of my faith. And I'm going to walk. And some friends are not going to like me. I'm going to lose relationships. The person I'm dating, I'm going to have to cut it off. I'm going to have to be selfish with my time and say no to more people and stop saying yes. I can't be a napkin to give myself out to everybody. You have to be selfish and take care of your faith. Fill yourself out first. Fill up with the word of God. Then you can pour into people. You can't pour into people if you're dry. Dry bones can't pour into dry bones, right? You've got to be full. Fill up first and press on saying, you know what? I am not perfect. Don't follow my example. Follow the example of Christ. I only want to point you to Christ who can set you free and give you liberation in this sin. You can be victorious today. Days and months go by and we still fight the same sin. And we fight it and it's hard on us and we get down on ourselves. But I like what A.W. Tozer said. I've been reading a book called The Pursuit of God. I I really want to pursue God even though it's so hard to do. It's hard. Very hard. It's, It's a warfare. But he says this, we pursue God because and only because he has first put urge within us that spurs us to the pursuit. It's, it's God, the Holy Spirit. It's not me. I can't say, well, I'm going to wake up and just jump and say, I'm going to be good today. I have to ask God, God, I'm going to deny myself today. Whatever my plans are, I'm going to deny it. Here's the day. You got this, God. You tell me. You go before me. You tell me you fight these warfares. I'm just going to let you lead and follow. But He's the one, the Holy Spirit, who convicts us. Conviction is You feel it, Christian, whenever you've done something you shouldn't have. It's not about, let me tell you something. Christianity is not about right or wrong. It's about becoming a lot, death, from death to life, okay? It's not about being good. Your morality is your ethics. It's about having placed your faith in Christ. He is good. We are not. What do we bring to salvation? I bring my sin. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But Tozer says, God... Initiates God spurs us. And when God is working in your lives, you know it. You sense it. Things are all of a sudden, whoa, I used to do this, and I catch myself. And your friends are saying, hey, look, this wasn't you freshman year. You used to do this. You were there. What happened to you? That's, that's Christ working in our lives. We need to be focused. Focused no matter what because, as I said, it's, 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 spiritual maturity is determined Endurance. People think, well, when I become a Christian, it's going to be all fluffy and easy, right? I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to get my degree, get a house, get a car, get married, and then become a Christian. Or I'm just going to go to church, be that person, look good in front of everyone, and just do me. No, no, no. If someone has told you the Christian life would be simply full of no pain... No trials. That is not the biblical Christianity, my friend. If you are in the will of God, and if you desire to make His name known, the Bible says that you will face things. You will face trials. You will face opposition. People won't like you. You're not supposed to fit in. You're not. You're not this kingdom. Our citizenship is in heaven. We won't. We won't. It's hardship, right, Christians? You know it's hardship. The biggest fight I realize I fight is just right here in my head all the time. Don't you Don't you get down on yourself sometimes? And for the athletes in here or those who perform before you go on stage, you get nervous, don't you? You almost over over-hype yourself up, and you, you forget what your body knows how to do, and you overthink it, overcomplicate it. Your mind is way over there, but your body's still here. You haven't adjusted, right? And you knew what you were supposed to do, but it just gets out of hand. Where to control ourselves. Where to take my mind captive and make it obedient to Christ. It is to be determined with endurance. We have to be determined this year to run with endurance. Because if you start the year off, for some of you who begin reading your Bible, and you're like reading 10 chapters, 10 chapters a day, and hey, Lord loves you. I'm still reading one. He still loves me too. Okay? But if you think that's going to work out and you're going to the church, do it. But don't just say, I've got this. It's already good. Because the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 2, and 2 through 4, it says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is what I mean by our endurance. We have to know that the Bible says, when you meet trials, it's not, no, you're a Christian. Nothing bad is going to happen to you. No, no. When you meet them, they're coming your way while we are in the spiritual realm. It says to count it all joy. Count it all joy. Why? As we walk in spiritual maturity, it's determined endurance so that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect. Why? That we may be perfect, and complete lacking in nothing. Here's what the Bible's talk it talks about these trials coming when you meet them. You probably may be one right now and you may be about to approach one or you may be coming out of one. It talks about us walking through this hardship leaning on the power of the Holy Spirit, leaning on God's reliance, being determined because he's the anchor for your soul. He's holding on to you. He's only one us to walk in his ways and his word and his will, to follow him obediently daily. God, why do you have me in this situation? He'll get you out of it. He says, trust me through it. It's going to take you a month to get through it, but I need you to be refined in your character to be able to lead this person to Christ. I need you to be refined in your character to lead this ministry. He's saying, I need you to go through these things because I have something prepared for you, but you just ain't ready just yet. There's some character flaws. So I'm working on you, and it hurts, and it's tough. Lactic acid, right? Anyone like lactic acid buildup? No, right? The worst thing you want is that buildup. What happens? You, you, get, you start fading away, right? Some of us in our Christian walk, we just run. We start that sprint. You're trying to run. All your life sprinting, no, we fade out real fast. It's about pacing yourself and being consistent in your walk. I have a video by Warren Buffett. It's going to fit well into this video, Jace, if you wouldn't mind. Warren Buffett talks about compound interest. If you're a fan of Warren Buffett, read this book. Einstein is reputed to have said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world or something like that. And it, it goes back to that story you probably learned when you were in grade school where somebody did something for the king and the king said, What can I do for you? And he said, Well, let's take a chessboard and put one kernel of wheat on the first square and then doubled it on the second and doubled it on the third. And the king readily agreed to it. And by the time he figured out what two to the 64th amounted to, he was giving away the entire kingdom. So it's a pretty simple concept. But over time, it accomplishes extraordinary things. All right. Spiritual maturity is consistency in my walk. Spiritual maturity is consistency in my walk. I ran into Warren Buffett, uh, Probably 10 years ago, and I've, uh, I love reading his, his literature. Any, any of you in business or management, read that book. Uh, it's called The Snowball. And this principle I'm gonna use in this, uh, this way compound interest is what I like to call some people, I call it sanctification in theology. But compound interest, not only for spiritual maturity, I'm supposed to have determined endurance, but consistency in my walk. There's so much things people are just have a, lofty goals and spiritual goals and i'll give you a gold star for that but let me tell you the bible says we are to walk daily i was at a pastor's retreat last year with my wife and there was a missionary there and i was having a real hard time in my life like i did not know what i wanted to do you've been there anyone been there like you have no idea anyone have no idea a couple of you okay so how you feel now like you have no idea I felt like that like last year and I have two kids remember two hams and my spouse okay I didn't know that you think I told my wife I didn't know no I didn't really want to that's embarrassing but I just didn't know so there was a missionary from Africa he's been there Uh, John Sapp he was there for 20 years and after he spoke about 30 minutes I was not really didn't hear nothing he said right y'all can relate I was only thinking, I want to ask him a question. What's the secret? So I waited there until everyone shook his hand. I was the last one. Didn't want to approach him. I was nervous. So I said, hey, what's, here's my situation. I have no idea. God has called me to serve him, but I have no idea. He looked at I said, what's the secret? So I, I waited there. I'm thinking, this is going to be the best news of my life. I'm going to jump up. I'm going to give him a hug. He said these words, and it shook me. I said, what must I do to find out what God's wanting me to do? He said, just trust God daily. I said, what? I said, I didn't hear you. He said, just trust God daily. I got mad. I got mad at that response. You know why? I wanted some deep theological, exegetical answer. Any theology students? I wanted something like that. I wanted something deep. And I was like, I told my wife, that's what he told me. So it was days distrust trust God daily. I had to go back to what I've been reading because I was reading things that I was just simply reading and not doing. And I realized that it took beginning consistency in my life and reading the Word of God and praying consistently. Where it's just, I'm not going to tell you, God just opened things up in my life. I can't explain it to you. When I started being consistent in my walk, consistent. When I listen to worship or a podcast or in the Word, consistent when I go to church, consistent in mentorship and discipleship. Consistent in this, being reliant on God and saying, God, I ain't got it figured out. And I need help in this area of my life, in this area of my life. I give it to you. Spiritual maturity is consistency in the walk, compound interest as Warren Buffett talks about. If you are investing in its dividend yield and it's long-term, Warren Buffett's philosophy is a great one. But he talks about daily, and he used that illustration. Daily, in 365 days, that's a page a day. You can read 365 pages of the Bible this year. If you like to listen to music, you can listen to worship. I'm telling you, in your walk of faith, Don't make it so colossal. Don't think I am going to change the world. You will not if it's apart from God. Just say, God, I'm going to be faithful where I'm at. I'm going to be faithful in my class, in my academics, in my athletics. I'm going to be faithful where I'm at and be obedient to my parents as well. Listen, but I'm just going to serve and say, God, I'm going to serve now. I don't know if I have everything put together. I don't know if I'm in the right degree plan. I don't even know if I enjoy my sport. I'm burnt out. I'm just going to trust you right now and just walk. But I will do due diligence on my half to make sure that I am walking in his ways. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God, at the right hand of the throne of God. Not only are we to have spiritual maturity and determined endurance, spiritual maturity in our consistency in our walk, but lastly, I've got just two minutes. It means spiritual maturity means waging war with our sin. Waging war with our sin I have two slides I want to show you right quick. What sin are you fighting? What sin do you say that's me? Is it abandonment? Is it anger? Acceptance? Apathy? Body image? Is it control? Is it defined by my past? Is it drunkenness? Is it emotional dependency? Gossip? Is it guilt? Is it gluttony? Is it insecurities? Lust? Lack of self-worth? Passivity? People-pleasing? Perfectionism? Is it rage? Self-sabotage? Is it a victim mentality? Is it vanity? What do you struggle with? We struggle with it. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 20, it says, finally, be strong, the Lord, and in the strength of his might, Uh, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. The Bible says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all, stand firm. It says, stand, therefore, and having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, not in some, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Why? With which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To the end, it says, keep alert with all supplication. Paul says, and also for me that words may be given to me and open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. This is it. We are to make war against the sin. It's only going to occur if I'm walking determined and walking with endurance. It's only going to occur if I'm consistent in my walk because we are sinners and we struggle. And we struggle. I've got one last quote by Stephen Lawson, Dr. Stephen Lawson. We will never know how great God's love is until we first see how great our sin is. You heard a lot about sin this morning. You did. I'm not going to pull back from that. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set me free. How we view our sin magnifies God's glory. It magnifies his love for us. It shows us the appreciation of what he's done. He sent his son for us in our wickedness, and our darkness, but he still loves me in that list I gave you. And what you're struggling with, it's still redeemable, I want to tell you. But I want to encourage you to just press on. Press on with every head bowed and every eye closed. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to take a minute and just talk to God. Say, God, I, I, I'm sorry. What you're struggling with, just confess it to God. Hey, God, you know what I'm struggling with? Um, victimhood mentality. God, I'm struggling with abandonment. I'm struggling with my insecurities. You talk to God and say, God, I confess it. Here it is. And I'm going to press forward. Secondly, if, if God is calling you, you have not placed your faith in Jesus, and you feel convicted in your heart, it's nodding up. Just say, God, I believe. I place my faith in you. I start my journey with you, Jesus, today. Save me. The Bible says... He who calls on me, he will not be put to shame. Father, I thank you for what you're doing here. In Christ and we pray, amen.